0: I am one of the leaders here at Nashville Baptist Church. It's my privilege to get to welcome you. If you're a visitor, man, we are excited you are here, and we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, the best way to do that, it's not the only way, but we think it's the best way, is to fill out this little guy right here. It's called a connection card. You'll see it in the seat back in front of you. It's got simple information on there about what your name is. I'm sure you know what that is. Uh, best way to contact you, whatever you prefer. If you would like to be added to the email announcement list, you can check that box. And then what, one of the things we're proud about is that at the very bottom is there is a space for Q&A. Uh, we like to do a uh, Facebook Live video sometime during the middle of the week. If somebody has a question about today's sermon or about the gospel in general or about anything out of the Bible that we can answer out of the Bible, um, you're, feel free to ask that question. Write it down, on the, uh, put it on the stage after we're done or drop this card in the offering plate uh, when that part of our service comes around. And we, we want to try to answer your question. We want this to be a place where uh, good questions get asked and good answers are at least attempted at and, and those kinds of things. And so uh, if you have something like that, fill that out get it to us, and that kind of deal. Um, You should also have a bulletin. Uh, If uh, you didn't grab one of these, uh, stick your hand up in the air, wave awkwardly until somebody comes and helps you. Uh, And then... uh it's got some space in there for sermon notes and all kinds of announcements and stuff like that, but uh, we are excited about today. Um, we got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we, we planned some special stuff. Uh, we got all these kind of lights and things like that, and uh, our, our guy Garrett, who does all our design work, uh, put a lot of effort into making all of our graphics look good, and so we got a lot planned today. Um, so if you are a parent and you have a nursery-aged child, here's what you need to hear. They are welcome in this room, all right? We're we okay with giggles and sometimes uh, little bits of laughter and sometimes a little bit of screaming and whatever. They're kids. That's what happens. All right? I've got two of them. I know. All right? uh, they're welcome in this room. But, 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 but. We have a nursery available if you want to take advantage of that. And so uh, during our offertory, that'll be your cue to walk them back out that door uh, to the children's space right there. There will be a greeter at the welcome desk out there waiting for you if that's what you want to do. And so uh, during our offertory, that'll be your cue to go that way. And so uh, if you want to take advantage of that, that's preschool and down, Uh, you are more than welcome to. But if you don't, keep them here. That's A-OK with us. All right. And so how about we stand and greet each other real quick?
1: Thank you,
2: Winnie on stage. All
3: right, good morning. Happy Easter. This is the biggest day of the year. We get to celebrate that Jesus is alive. Amen. And that gives us hope. It gives us victory over Satan, sin, and death. Uh, The fact that Jesus is alive, it proved that everything he said about himself was true, that he is our eternal God. He is our Savior. He is alive, ruling and reigning forevermore. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's celebrate. We're going to sing, Christ is risen. So uh, in case you don't know, if you're a visitor, welcome. We love you. We're glad you're here. We have a little uh, church lingo that I'll say, he is risen, and you say, All right. Amen. He is risen. Sing, oh, look
2: at the cross. Oh, look at the cross. Oh. I see why He died to save us. Oh, and Adam will die. Oh, and Christ will all be alive. Hallelujah! The stone has been rolled away. Hallelujah, Jesus walked away from the grave, from the grave, sing oh death where is your sting, oh death was your sting. Oh, how you have tasted defeat deep feed Oh, death with your sting. Oh, how you have tasted defeat deep feet. Hallelujah. the stone has been rolled away hallelujah Jesus walked away from the grave from the grave
3: 1 Corinthians 15 says that Jesus died in accordance with the scriptures and that Jesus was buried and that Jesus Christ rose again
2: Oh the blood shed in the last round. resurrection Salvation
3: Thank you, Jesus, that you are our great saving king. God, that you would come down, leave your home, and come on a rescue mission for sinners like us. God, that you would not make us earn our way to you. God, that you came down to us. Jesus, you are good. God, we celebrate your life, we celebrate your death, and today we celebrate your resurrection. Jesus, you have conquered Satan, sin, and death. You have risen from the dead. And in you we have hope. We have new life. We have restoration of our souls. God, we have have new life in you. Jesus, you are good. God, you are altogether good. You work all things together for those who love you. And Jesus, this morning we celebrate the victory we have in you. God, that you are a God who didn't leave us to die in our sins. That you are a God who did not leave us stranded. God, that you got off your throne and you came into human history. You got involved. And Lord, we thank you that you are good. We celebrate you, Jesus. You are alive, you are ruling and reigning forever. So Jesus, we sing about your great name this morning. We lift you high this morning, amen. Let's sing out the name of Jesus, amen?
2: The king of all creation Set a sign his crown, a sermon to the Father's love, descended from his throne above, author of salvation, giver of new life, crucify, him. righteousness.
3: not to take ourselves too seriously, amen? <laughs> All right. Uh, this song's an old hymn and uh, very appropriate for the day. It's called Low in the Grave He Lay, so sing along with us. from the dead. And we believe that he is coming back to get his church. Amen?
2: Sing it out. In this time in oh. the
1: this King of glory he is the image of the invisible God the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature no one has seen God at any time the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the father he has explained him for God after he had spoken long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days has spoken to us in his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he made the world in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. He's the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. You have put all things in subjection under his feet for in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He upholds all things by the word of his power and although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a bond servant being made in the likeness of men being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind engaged in evil deeds yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach when you were dead your transgressions and in the uncircumcision of your flesh he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our transgressions having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us which was hostile toward us he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross When he had disarmed the rulers and the authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. For this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all things in him I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and unto the land be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever who is this king of glory? Jesus
0: God, you are far, far bigger. We like to think of you in our heads. All things were created for you and through you and to you. We talk about a a risen Savior this morning. The grave had no power over you. As we open up your word. Would you do something with it? I can't. I am not smart enough, articulate enough, winsome enough. But you you and your word are good. Apply it to our hearts. Change people this morning by the proclamation of the gospel. We will be forever changed by it. In your name of prayer, amen. Let's go Romans chapter three. Romans chapter three. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the text up on the screens behind me in just a little bit. Uh, if you don't, uh, if you don't own a Bible, we also have some physical ones uh, in the little racks underneath the seats. Uh, there's not one under every seat, but. Uh, about every other, so that's a pretty good ratio. All right. um, if you don't own a Bible outside of this place, we would love for you to take that one home. Here's the reason. Um, we value God's Word here at a high level. Uh, we believe that God actually uses it in big ways, that it's effectual for His purposes. We believe that it's the, the thing that God uses to call us to repentance and and convict us of sin and show His grace and love for us. It, we believe it's the thing that God uses to, to shape us both individually and as a body called church. We also believe it's the main way that God shows who He is, reveals Himself to His creation. And so... Uh, let the pastor in the room tell you that they, they if you don't have a Bible outside of this place, take that one home and start reading it. We believe God will use it in big, big ways. All right. And so uh, now if you do have a Bible outside of this place, don't be a jerk and take ours. Right? But <laughs> Let somebody else have it. But yeah, if you don't have one, take that one. Um, Romans chapter 3. Uh, it's Easter, guys. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> Some of y'all look dressed up really nice. Some of y'all, like me, wore the same clothes you probably wore two weeks ago. All right? And it's, it's great. All right? it, like, like it, can it be anything other than a celebration when the pastor's got orange pants on? <laughs> like, I feel festive. Now, it's, it, we're going to have a good time today. Uh, we've got a bunch of uh, people here. Uh, we've got some guests here. Uh, maybe for some of you, this is the first time you've been in church ever, or maybe for the first time in a long time. And Man, I'm excited y'all are here. Um, and, and I don't mean that any kind of slight. I, I know you can go to some churches, and they'll be like, hey, see you at Christmas, or something like that. Uh, we, we love that you're here. Here's the deal. Um, I think this is a good, good day to look at some incredibly simple but in really, really important things. And so that's what I want to spend our time on this morning. Uh, I, I told y'all on a Facebook video uh, that that I wanted to give you five statements, uh, five because statements that'll change the way you see the gospel, change the way you see the, the Easter story, and hopefully even change the way you see yourself. Five truth statements, and we're going to package them in because statements, Uh Blank is true because blank is true, kind of stuff. You you get the picture. And so, if you have a bulletin, you can open that up and you'll see a place for notes. And everybody who's a member of National Baptist Church knows how much of a wonderful occasion this is because I'm normally not that guy. All right? I'm normally not the guy who's friendly to note takers because I talk really fast and I'm kind of all over the place. All right? So, uh, if you are the note taker, this is your day, so take advantage of it. All right? So, You'll see a line, and the word because, and you'll see a line. And to keep up with the theme of me not being friendly with note takers, um, those aren't single words, those are whole phrases. So, (laughs) write small, write fast, okay? (laughs) It'll be okay. All right. Um, Yeah, we're going to have a good time with it. You ready to look at blank number one? We're going to jump right into it. Ready? Sin is serious because God is glorious. Sin is serious because God is glorious. Romans chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 22, but we're not going to read all of 22. Go to where the sentence starts towards the end. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of who? All right, so this is a verse that is... Got a lot of airtime. Whether you've done the church thing for a while or not, you've probably heard this verse, right? Um, Either you grew up hearing this verse all the time, or maybe somebody has shared this verse with you and trying to explain the gospel. It's a good one to go to, right? And so this is a verse that gets all kinds of airtime. Paul says that there's no distinction between those who know the law of God and those who don't know the law of God. That's, that's basically what he's saying in Romans chapter 3. That there's no distinction between those who have God's law and, and can internalize it and know what pleases him and know what doesn't, and those who are just in the dark and clueless. Right? There's no distinction between those two groups of people. All right? He says that all people everywhere, that's, that means you, that means me, that means your neighbor three houses down from you, that means Bill Belichick. All, right? all people have fallen short of the glory of God, especially Bill Belichick as the resident Cowboys fan in the room it's pretty obvious he says all have fallen short of the glory of God but here's something we need to point out he does not say that all have fallen short of God's standard that's typically the way this verse is, is trotted out that it's that we have fallen short of some arbitrary line of morality that God has declared to be minimum and even though we may have some good things going on in our life we just can't seem to get over the hump we just can't seem to get up to that level that's usually the way this verse is taught but Paul doesn't say that we have fallen short of God's standard what does he say he says we have fallen short of God's glory so what why how is that different because the severity of an offense is directly attached to the value of the one being offended against. I know that's a mouthful, so I'll say it again. The severity of an offense is directly attached to, tied to, linked to, the value of the one being offended against. I'll give you a. A parable or example, whatever you want to call it. Uh, those of us who, are, who have been around here for a while have heard me talk about this before, but I count it. It was over a year ago, and we got uh, a bunch of uh, new members since then. and We got a bunch of guests today, so I'll, I'll run it out there again and just burn this image into your brain forever, okay? <laughs> just wait. <laughs> Let's say you and I are taking a walk down the road, all right? Uh, we're talking about whatever, like how Kansas got blown out by Villanova last night, even though I picked them to win my championship, all right? It was a painful moment for me. All right. Now we're talking about whatever, all right? And so we're walking down the road. We see a little boy in his yard, and, and we're not really sure what he's doing. So we walk over to the fence and lean over and try to get a, a closer look. And it turns out that this boy, he is, he's, oh, so diligent, but he's, he's real dedicated to his work. But it turns out he's plucking the legs off of a grasshopper. Boink. Boink. Like, how are we going to respond in that moment? Most people, most people, not everybody, but most people are probably going to turn the other way, walk down the road. Because, I mean, parents aren't there, it's not your kid. it's not really your business. Others are braver, right? And so they may call the boy over to them, themselves, maybe the teacher types in the room, give him a little lecture about how we treat God's creation or living things, whatever you want to go with, right? Like other people might be braver and try to talk that boy out of it and maybe, maybe whatever. But, you know, what are we going to do after that? We're going to go down the road, carry on our conversation, maybe see if, you know, try to remember that boy's name and tell that story at a party later. We're just going to kind of move on, right? Let's rewind our story back and, and tell it again. You and I are walking down the road, and we're talking about, man, it would have been great if Loyola had beaten Michigan. Everybody, It would have been a Cinderella story. It would have been great and awesome and made for a great championship game Monday night. And then we see this little boy, and, and we want to get a closer uh, look. And so we, we go to the fence, and we peer in. But this time, instead of pulling the legs off of a grasshopper, it's a mouse. <laughs> I heard it. How are you responding this time? Rewind our story back, tell it again. We're walking down the road, all right, we see this little boy, uh, he's pulling the legs off of a squirrel. Rewind our story back, tell it again. We, we see this little boy, we want to get a, a picture of what he's doing, we want to figure this out, and it turns out he's pulling the legs off of a puppy dog. Oh! <laughs> Rewind our story back. Some of you get getting nervous. <laughs> walking down the road. Talking about whatever. Peer over the fence. This boy is attempting to pull the legs off of a human baby. How are we responding in that moment? Anybody turning away and walking down the road? We're hopping the fence. We're going to intervene, right? Each time that the story grows in intensity, something from deeper and deeper within us wells up inside to intervene, right? Right? proves my point. The only thing that's changed in this story is the value of the thing being offended. Every other variable is the same. But because the value of the thing being offended has has grown in in value, there's this thing that wells up in us that says, no, we have to do something about this. Me telling a little white lie to my son, my three-year-old, that we're out of Paw Patrol episodes on the DVR, It's a lie. Me lying to a federal judge produces a slightly greater consequence, right? The heinousness of an offense is directly linked to the value of the one being offended against. So what about an infinitely good, infinitely holy, infinitely beautiful, infinitely lovely, infinitely righteous God? our math problem holds up, it's an infinitely heinous offense. The value of the one being offended affects the severity of the offense. The severity of an offense is directly linked to the value of the thing being offended against. So the offense of sin is is not heinous because it flies in the face of some arbitrary line floating out in the ether. It's directly attached to the character of the infinitely good and wise creator king. It's an infinitely heinous offense. Sin is serious because God is glorious. So what exactly does this terrible offense produce? Look at our next set of blanks. Separation is disastrous because death is eternal. Flip over to Romans chapter 6. Separation is disastrous because death is eternal. Paul says this, For the wages of sin is what? But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, we normally use the word wages when we talk in a positive sense, right? We normally attach it to things like paychecks or salary, whatever, right? And so, uh, a wage is something that you've earned, right? If you put in the work and then it's owed to you, like if a boss like, stiffed you on your paycheck after you put in the hours, like, like you're gonna take him to court, right? All right? So, it is rightfully owed to you because you did what was necessary to earn that pay. But wages also has a negative sense, right? You can rightfully earn punishment for doing something wrong, right? Yeah. And so Paul says that the wages, the thing rightfully earned for sin, is what? Death. Now when the Bible talks about death, it talks about it in two different ways. The first is pretty obvious, physical death, right? We, we get in an accident, our body stops working, we die. We get sick, our bodies stop working, we die. We grow old, our bodies stop working. You get in the picture? It's a story that we've seen play out far more often than we'd like to see. Many of us are walking in our own version of that story and it's getting closer and closer, right? The Bible teaches that that this type of death, this physical death, is an enemy. Like It actually calls it an enemy. It also teaches that if sin had never entered into the garden, that we wouldn't experience it. And that we long for a day when this great enemy is finally undone. That we long for a day when death will be forever no more. But the Bible also talks about death on a second level. It talks about death spiritually. To be spiritually dead is to be separated from God, right? Another part of the Bible, Ephesians 2, tells us that that, uh, we are by default, by default, destined for this kind of death. And that left to our own devices, we're not going to be able to fix it. That left to our own devices, we will experience death physically and spiritually. It's owed to us. Not just, not just a, a cancer in this world, no, it is rightfully earned. And so if our first statement is true, it's owed to us on an infinite level. Or we can say it another way, on an eternal level. level. Separation is disastrous because death is eternal. But there's this little turn in verse 23. Did you catch it? The word but. Read 23 again. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal what? Life in Christ Jesus. So despite the fact that we've earned this punishment, the gospel is that Jesus steps onto the scene and says, I'll take that punishment myself. The gospel is that Jesus steps onto the scene and says, Now I'll own this one. He's not simply a faraway God sitting angry on the throne. He steps into the story and does something about our problem. So that brings us to our third set of blanks for the morning. The cross is necessary because our God is good. Look back to Romans chapter 5. Most of you won't even have to turn the page. Romans 5, look at verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And then verse 11, More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received Reconciliation. So what's Paul saying here? He's saying that there's a handful of really noble people in this world that would lay down their life for the cause of a friend. Right? And maybe you're that guy. Maybe you're the guy that runs towards the fire instead of away from it. The Bible says that's noble. Good job. But Jesus didn't die for his friends. It's not even saying that Jesus saw some people that might be valuable to some other folks, and so he died for them. The Bible teaches explicitly that Jesus laid down his life for his enemies. And because of the culture we live in, we have to push here. We're not talking about the kind of enemies that you and I normally think about. Like, we're not talking about the guy who cut you off in traffic. We're not talking about the, the that neighbor of yours that doesn't obey the HOA rules, and so they're bringing down your property value, right? You have one. We've already established this morning that we're talking about infinite level offenses. But we can also push a little bit more. Cuz there ain't nobody in this room myself included has only got one on their record. Like we can't we can't play that game. You mean just one little no. No, I have a daily barrage of infinitely heinous offenses against this god. You may be the kind of guy that runs toward the bullet fire instead of away from it, but nobody in this room, myself included, is laying down their life for that level of enemy. It's not in us. And this is exactly what Paul says that Jesus does. See, to understand the gospel correctly is to simultaneously wrap our heads around the cosmic tr- atrocity of our sinfulness and the unfathomable kindness of King Jesus. To understand the gospel correctly is to simultaneously wrap our heads around the cosmic atrocity of our sinfulness and the unfathomable kindness of King Jesus. This king owes me nothing except to crush me. And yet, he has chosen instead to bestow love—a kind of love that empties himself and reconciles me to him. How does he do that? You guessed it—the cross. I don't have enough morality or nobility in the bank account to stand before this God as clean, and so if I'm going to do that going to be because somebody, somebody took the payment for me. And so Jesus steps onto the scene and he bears the weight of that punishment himself through his death on the cross. Not because I deserve it or you deserve it, but because he is good. And his goodness will be forever declared to the cosmos through it. But listen, as great is that news is the good news is not exhausted yet because Jesus has enough righteousness to spare and so that brings us to our fourth set of blanks for the morning the resurrection is a reality because the obedient son is vindicated for those of you who are trying to write that don't worry the fifth one is even longer The resurrection is, I'll give you a second. The resurrection is a reality because the obedient son is vindicated. Flip to Romans chapter 1. It's the very beginning of Paul's letter to the Roman church. So there's this little greeting here. But Paul's a better writer than me, and so he can pack a lot of theology even to the introduction of something. Verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Look at verse 3. Concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. All right, so call a little time out here. So Paul is saying in the first few verses of, of chapter 1 here, the first few verses of this letter, that Jesus is not just some flash in the pan. No, this is God's plan from before the foundation of the world, that the whole Old Testament tells you that things are going to play out exactly like this. And so verse 3 again. Concerning his son, who was descended from David, According to the flesh, look at verse 4. And he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by what? His resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, verse 5, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Christ Jesus. So this theme of Jesus's righteousness being uh, vindicated through the resurrection was actually the theme of uh, of what we did last year for Easter. And so uh, many of y'all were here for that. If you weren't and you're really dedicated, you can dig deep into our podcast archives and go find our sermon from last year and find a sermon wholly dedicated to this one topic. That the resurrection is a vindication of Jesus' righteousness. And so, uh, but for those of you who aren't interested in going all that far back, you can get the Cliffs Nose version of this today. How do we know that Jesus accomplished the payment for our sin? Because, as we've already established, the debt that we owe, the penalty that we owe because of our sin is death. And Jesus ain't dead no more. Do the math. Carry the one. The check is cleared. How do we know that Jesus is the Son of God? Because he has done exactly what he says he would do. That's what Paul is saying here. That Jesus is exactly who he said he is because he did exactly what he said he would do. Paul says that the entire Bible is pointing to this one moment and that it's going to play out exactly like this plays out. This is the plan of God from before the foundation of the world. And even though every second in between Good Friday and Sunday morning, even though that's a really long, painfully dark time, Paul's saying, hey, listen, if we knew our Bibles better when this all happened, we wouldn't be shocked by this. He told us it would happen this way. Jesus himself said, tear down this temple and I'm going to rebuild it in three days. Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. He who is infinitely righteous and infinitely holy and infinitely good and infinitely lovely paid the infinite debt in full. And then he just went on to go do some other errands he had. He handled it. The resurrection had to happen because the obedient son is vindicated in his righteousness. He is exactly who he claims to be and that leads us to our final set of blanks for the morning. Our resurrection has been promised because it restores us to our original design. Take a moment for you to write. Our resurrection has been promised because it restores us to our original design. Back to Romans 6. Verse 1. What should we say then? Are we we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And alive to God in Christ Jesus. So when we trust him in his way alone, when we repent of our traitorous sin and submit ourselves to him as our victorious Lord, Paul says that we unite with him in his death. That we die to ourselves and we die to our agendas and we die to our desires, that we unite with him in his death. We give him everything because lordship demands that we give him everything. But Paul says that when we do that, we also unite with him in his life. And that life is just as eternal as the death that was awaiting us. Just as eternal. What does that mean? It means that if we joyfully submit to King Jesus now, we will joyfully enjoy him forever. That if we place our hope in him today, we get To experience the fulfillment of that hope for all eternity. But this isn't some new deal, it's not some patch job reworking of a plan that didn't work before. This is what we were designed for. The Bible teaches that this is what we were created to experience. This is what the garden was before sin entered in and wrecked everything. Jesus is the great restorer of what was lost. He's not picking up the pieces and trying to make something pretty out of the the ashes that are left. He is reconciling all things to himself. He's working out all things back to his ultimate victory or as that guy in the video earlier said who is this king of glory our resurrection has been promised because it restores us to our original design so that leads me to a question this morning what do we do with this right what do we do with these truths i mean we got five because statements how do we respond to them in a way that like you know like actually matters i mean can, can i just be honest these, these truths are less than useful if they aren't true. And they're, they may be worse than just neutral. They, they, they might actually be bad if we, if we know them and just kind of walk away with it. I told you at the outset that I wanted to give you five statements that change some things, right? And so that, that affect the way you see the gospel, that affect the way you see Easter. And listen, if these are true, they most assuredly affect the way you see yourself. Like, what do, we, what do we actually do with them? How do we respond to them? Well, if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, and I say it that way on purpose because, listen, you and I may be thinking very different things when the term Christian is rolled out there. Forget about cultural identity. Forget about what kind of house you grew up in. I don't, I don't care about that. If you're a follower of Jesus, your response to these truths is to press into God this morning. How you do that? By leaning into the reality that we all too easily forget. That we didn't earn a thing. Not a thing. You can't earn anything, but for the grace of God, there go I. If you're here this morning and you know Jesus, it is a gift. So press in to the good giver today. Are there practical things that go into that? Yeah, probably, sure. You probably already know what those are. You don't need me to tell you. A pastor friend of mine likes to say that every Easter that Jesus is alive this morning. Are you? I may steal that. I think I just did. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song. We'll have a couple of leaders up front here to talk with you and pray with you if that's helpful for you. We want to give you a time to respond to God's word before you make a beeline out of here to something else. Listen, the world's busy enough. Take a moment. That's what that's for. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, man, I'm glad you're here. Our folks hear me say every week that we, we want this to be a safe place for you to work through the truth claims of Jesus and his gospel. We're, we're glad you're here. Keep hanging out. We, we believe that, that Jesus is, unlike me, good enough and winsome enough to win you to himself. Keep hanging out as long as you want. He'll get you. (laughs) Maybe today, though. Maybe you're ready today to repent of sin and come to Him as Lord. Maybe today's the day where you finally uh, put up those efforts that you had going on somewhere else say Jesus I want you instead maybe you're not sure yet what that means but you'd like to talk to somebody about it I'm going to pray we're going to sing one more song we'll have some folks up front here to talk I'll be down here too but let's all respond to God's word this morning he is risen close close <laughs> No, nah, we're good. God, you're good to us. Thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for Romans. Thank you for being a God who was not content to sit on a faraway throne, but you came, and you lived, and you died, and you were alive again. God, for those of us in here who know you, would you draw us deeper into yourself? Would you take these truths this morning and affect the way we live by them? Affect the way we see the world by them? God, for those of us in here who don't know you, would you open hearts to know you today? Would you convince us of your goodness and your nearness? I I am convinced that when we see you for as you are, we are forever changed by that. So reveal yourself this morning. Save people today. God, thank you for giving us such a thing as Resurrection Sunday, for giving us Easter. What a good day. As we sing, as we respond, as we go out to do whatever we do, make your name famous here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: Amen. As Pastor Stephen said, Uh, We're going to have some folks up front if you want to come and learn more about Jesus. if uh, Today you feel today's your day to get to know this awesome, amazing God and you want to repent from sin. Come up front. We love you. We are here for you. We will gladly pray with you. Now normally what we do is we sing some slower kind of song that's more emotional, but we're not going to do that today. Because today is about celebrating. Amen. Amen. Today is about declaring that Jesus is alive and coming to Jesus is a joyous occasion. The fact that Jesus is alive and he is reigning and ruling is a joyous occasion. So we're going to celebrate that. Amen. Amen. So let's stand and let's sing loud. Let's declare it that Christ is
2: risen. He is risen. Look at the cross oh, oh. see where he died Away from the grave, from the grave,
3: see death. Where's your sting?
2: Oh, oh, oh. death was your sting. Oh, Oh, how you. taste hallelujah. hallelujah hallelujah the stone oh, has, has been, been run, run away, away. Yeah. Hallelujah. hallelujah jesus walked away from the He's risen in my soul. Christ is risen, and my soul knows sweet salvation is alive.
0: All right, take a seat just momentarily. Got a couple of announcements here, uh, and then we'll dismiss. Um, So. Visitor heavy day, and so we decided to put little cards in your bulletin announcing a save the date for our vacation Bible school, July 23rd through 27th. If you have any questions about that, come find me and uh, we can talk about it. Also, uh, our regulars, no small groups today. Go do Eastery things, get brunch or something. I don't know. All right. Um, maybe late to get reservations, but have a good time with it. Eat some good food. Uh, so, no small group today. Uh, Saturday, August, uh, April 21st. Uh, Nashua Parks is having a cleanup day uh, this is the first time we're announcing that we're thinking about trying to get a group together to uh, go be a part of that and so uh, if you want to help us do that come talk to me or send us an email at the office uh, and we're, we'll try to put a group together to go out and be a part of that and then finally I don't know if the guys have it available up here but we're actually going to be launching a new series uh, next Sunday he's shaking his head no I should have given a heads up if you if you're a visitor here you should know that we have a weird relationship between the stage and the sound booth. I like ask for stuff without telling them in advance and then they're like I don't know. So starting next week, we're going to kick off a brand new series here called The Story of God. It's going to cover most of 2018 from here on out. And so uh, we'll do some other stuff in between, but we're going to be looking at it for a while. And uh, Garrett put together our artwork for it, and it looks really good. All right, And so uh, come be a part of a brand new sermon series starting next week. Uh, All normal stuff, and we'll have a good time with it. So let's pray and be dismissed. How about we stand and do that? Roger Francis, he grimaced. (laughs) Would you be willing to pray for us?